It's day five. You've made it through the first week of our 12-week journey. I don't know how often you hear this, but I'll say it, and I'll mean it. I'm so proud of you. I wouldn't have blamed you for turning away at any point, for choosing to move on with your life and live as you did before you found our community. It's easy to default to what's easy and even easier to be a skeptic. Perhaps you came here looking for the secret recipe to being a great leader in 30 minutes or less. You didn't find that, did you? Or perhaps our initial assignments appeared rudimentary. You may have asked, is this really for me? But you're here. That tells me you understand that small changes over time amount to a whole lot of change. You understand there is no quick fix that results in lasting, satisfying outcomes. You are committed to being the leader you know you can be and the people around you deserve. You are committed to your campus. You're committed to the cause. Honestly, your next big challenge is just one sleep away. It's easier for most of us to manage our time, adjust our calendars, to prioritize our thoughts, habits, and activities during the work week. Then along comes the weekend, and now our partners, our children, our friends, they all have an opinion on how your time gets spent. Your only assignment for today is this. Stay committed. Stay committed to waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror, and telling yourself, I am a leader. Stay committed to the one goal you set, the one trait you're developing that will make you a better self-leader every day. Stay committed to limiting the junk food content you consume this weekend and make space for good leadership inputs. And don't forget, you started a simple list of new and different things you may want to take on. A project, an activity, a hobby, something entirely unrelated to the work you do on campus. Something that will stretch you in new and different ways. Because we know the lessons you learn will transfer to your leadership. Stay committed. Also. It's a three-day weekend. Hopefully, you work on a campus that recognizes President's Day and you can enjoy some well-deserved R&R this Monday. I know I'll be taking that time for myself and my family. So, I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Today, I'm going to leave you with something a bit different from our standard daily talks. Last fall, 
I had the privilege of attending a national conference for professionals working in college admissions counseling. I was honored in that time to be able to sit with several enrollment managers and college administrators I highly admire. And they allowed me to turn the microphones on. So, every other Friday, I'll give you a small break from our daily routine to learn from some of my favorite campus leaders. These conversations were not as short as our daily talks either, but I wouldn't be doing you justice by editing them down. So, you may need to hit pause. Find some extra time. Pour another cup of coffee. But I encourage you to enjoy these casual conversations on leadership and take notes. Up first is my conversation with Nathan Ament, currently the Vice President for Enrollment and Dean of Admission at Knox College. I'm Creighton Dent, and this is the Campus Leader Podcast. Nathan Ament, thank you for sitting down with us today. I don't know where I got this quote, but it's the first thing here in my research. I'm scared to hear what it's going to be. <laughs> you said, I believe in managing an enrollment operation with logic, humility, and humor. And I ask my team to do the same. Who did you say that to? Where did we find that quote? Uh, probably a cover letter. <laughs> I read that and I thought, wow, that is exactly why we're talking to Nathan today. I've spent a career consulting college teams on strategic enrollment management, creative marketing, transformational change management, and technology implementations. People almost always steer us to the easy conversation, the tactical conversation. Right. How can we be better admissions counselors, better academic advisors, or financial aid directors? Rarely, rarely do I hear anyone leading an enrollment team talking about how we can be, should be, better people. Right. Having a focus on humor and humility and let's just be logical, smart people. It's almost as if you see the people you work with as humans. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to be on this podcast then. <laughs> no, I mean, that's really what it is. It's just trying to treat. I, I come at it almost like a family approach. Does uh -huh. that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm a family guy. Yeah. I got a great, great family that's now been relocated to Galesburg, you know, yeah. in this summer. But it, I really approach it that way that we just need to treat each other as humans uh -huh. and understand that we're all trying to do the best we can. Yeah. Like, nobody is actively, especially on a team, nobody's actively saying, like, I want to completely derail this whole situation. You might have some of those folks, and then we need to find a way to 
find a better fit for you, like find a better role, if that makes sense. But yeah. if we just approach it and say, we're all working together, everybody has their role, but man, this don't make it harder than it needs to be, right? Yeah. Like, don't make it harder than, um, like, yes, people, there's a lot of work, it's, it, it's coming at you all the time, but approach it with just a sense of, hey, we're doing the best that we can right now, and let's treat each other fairly, um, and as, Humans. Would you say that's one of the more challenging aspects of leading people in higher ed? The first challenge you went to was people having bandwidth issues, feeling maybe overworked or they have too much work. And we know compensation is limited. Right. You can't reward admissions people with commissions or bonuses like you would a traditional salesperson. So, right. What do you do? Do you see it as your job to motivate people? My instinct is to be really effective at any level in higher ed. You have to be a purpose-driven, mission-driven person. Someone who maintains a big picture perspective and understands the importance of their role, their day-to-day contributions within the context of that bigger picture. But that's got to be really easy to lose sight of, wouldn't you say? It, it, it is, but I think that's one of the reasons people stay in higher ed. Uh-huh. Like, and again, I have a different perspective because this is, you know, Knox College is my um, seventh institution that I've worked at in my career. Okay. And um, you always go into the operation, you're like, man, that person's been here 26 years. Yeah. Why did they stick around? Like, they had so many other opportunities they could have done, but they're here for the mission. Right. And whether the mission is working with students, which is usually the primary one, mm-hmm. or it's somehow related to the mission, if it's a religious institution or somehow they get behind it, mm-hmm. um, they will put up with a lack of compensation. They'll put up with a whole lot of drama or whatever it is, <laughs> right, at a school. Um, changes in leadership constantly yeah. um, to be able to continue to serve the mission. And I, I find, and even though we're in you know, kind of the other end maybe of the great resignation, we're not at like the peak of that right now. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, I'm starting to see some people that have maybe went out and said, okay, I left higher ed. I'm going out to work at wherever. I always use a bank as an mm-hmm. example. I got into trouble with the board of trustees member earlier this summer because they're like, well, I'm chair of a bank. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, but um, they go out and they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I maybe got paid a little bit more, but I don't have that mission but what am I here for and so then they gravitate back but it does give them a different perspective and like how what does this actually mean to like come back what do I want to do I don't want to go back to the exact same job but maybe here's where I can like figure out a way to either create a role or find a different institution that has a different role or it could be going to graduate school right maybe they go out and they say like yeah making a lot of money now and I'm going to put that towards graduate school or I'm going to go back and work at a college or university where I can get my graduate school paid for or mm-hmm. half paid for or whatever yeah. else. So uh, that's what I'm finding a little bit. And we're kind of b- back in the swing. It's not everybody. There's still people uh-huh. leaving higher ed in droves, yeah. at least in the admission yeah. side. But that's what they're coming back for is the mission. Well, and when I talk to those folks who are leaving, I do get the sense in conversation, whether or not they can articulate it. Sometimes they'll use the word burnt out or I'm looking for work-life balance. But when people bring up burnout, I think what it really comes down to is a loss of purpose. Whatever is happening in your life, you've lost sight of that purpose. And when we lose sight of that, 
then everything just feels like, what am I doing this for? And work-life balance, I think, is a little bit of a misnomer as well, where I think some people suggest there's specific allotments of time you should be dedicating to your work life, your home life, Mm -hmm. your personal Mm -hmm. life, your spiritual life. But it's all about equity and attention. I mean, you can be clocking your work life from nine to five, then rushing home to spend all your extra time with your family. You might think then, well, no one can accuse me of being a workaholic, right? Right. But what if despite being around your family, you're not being present with them? You're not being attentive. You're aloof to their needs. (sighs) Regardless of whether you're in higher ed or not, I still think it's like prioritizing what you think is important in your life, uh-huh. right? I mean, everybody needs a job to like make money to yeah. support the life, right? Yeah. And for me, it's um, it, it constantly changes if you have a family, or, you know, or if you meet somebody and you get married or whatever it is, those will be constantly changing. And then yeah. when you do have a family and have kids, that's even constantly changing because mm-hmm. you're going through different chapters and whatever else. Um, so that's, I think it's, it's just a constant ebb and flow of trying to figure that out, how right. that all works together. Your work's going to be constantly ebbing and flowing, right? Uh-huh. And one of the challenges, I think, with admissions is that it used to be where a summer was like the time where people took time off or yeah. whatever else. That's kind of shifting. Um, people aren't necessarily getting onboarded in the summer. Like they may uh-huh. be getting onboarded in February because if we're, we're having a hard time finding people. Yeah. So a search goes longer. Um, but at the end of the day, you're just trying to figure out how these all go together and find the right balance. Um, for me, health is a big part of it as well. Uh-huh. And I always encourage my folks, like, get up, like, take a walk in your lunch hour. You know, yeah. do something like that. What are you doing? Like, if you need to, if, if you find a schedule where maybe, like, in the late afternoon, if you've got a college fair or whatever, and you need to go back to the hotel and do a workout, uh-huh. and then that gets you to, uh, through a college fair that's going to take you until 930 at night, right. like, have at it. I'd rather you do that than, you know, respond to 15 more emails that are still going to be there. And at the end of the day, I always joke, like, we're not, we're not heart surgeons here. Uh Like, this is important work. Uh (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But we are not, like, we're we're not paramedics. We're not saving lives. Like, (laughs) I mean, overall lives, but like, we're not saving lives right now. I actually think I offended someone by saying something similar one time to someone in your role. And I I was just making what I thought was a fairly agreeable statement, something I've said before. I said, enrollment management isn't rocket science. It's kind of like bottle rocket science, right? (laughs) Because you can totally blow your hand off, but with the right direction and discipline and respect for the power you're holding in your hands, Under some adult supervision, most anyone can safely put on a good show. I think sometimes we get lost in the weeds, mired in the complexities of the day, and we lose sight of just how straightforward and fun our jobs as campus leaders can and should be. Right. I know you have fun with what you do. In fact, you have a podcast of your own, right? It's called the Admissions Director Lunchcast, which, by the way, I love that name. Thank you for the And this year, your focus is on back to basics. 
And you guys are talking every episode not about revolutionary strategies on how to do college admissions, but you're putting under the microscope the tried and true things that have worked and you're asking people when was the last time you looked at your process? When was the last time you questioned how you're doing this? And here's what's working for others. What inspired you to go that direction? Because it's partly because what we just talked about with with folks coming in and out of the profession at yeah. odd times now, like they're barely getting trained, yeah. right? Like they're barely getting like, here's the owner manual. <laughs> like this is how you yeah. do it. Um, and then they're being pushed out on the road within two weeks or they're being pushed into reading applications and like two uh-huh. weeks after they're hired. And you can... A person that's that's smart and it, it can can get a job can do that, but yeah. then where do they go from there? Like, how did they become from like a decent admissions counselor to a great admissions uh-huh. counselor? What are the other things that they're having to add in at that right. point? That's what's missing because the people in the director positions don't have time for yeah. that stuff, right? They don't have time to sit down with an admissions counselor and be like, okay, here are the other things you should add into uh-huh. it, um, and here's the, how you can take it. And that's what we're really trying to flush out. It's been fascinating to do the interviews for this season. Like we just wrapped and we just wrapped all the recording and we're, we're, we're putting them out now weekly. But um, some of these folks, we could tell in the interview, like the admissions director is like, yeah, this is basic stuff. We're like, yeah, that's the point. Right. I think we're losing that. Yeah. I think that's where we're coming back to. And it's not uh, you can go to any of these conferences. And I don't know if I should say we're recording this at the NACAC conference. NACAC OK, got it. We're, we're NACAC in Baltimore. And. Um, at, at the end of the day, there's lots of content for VPs on how to push strategies. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a certain amount of content for some newbies. But at the same time, like for admissions directors, having to figure out a way to train their staff to become really good and to stick with the pr- profession, it, there was a void, right? Uh-huh. And again, a lot of it comes out of COVID. And um, we always joke around and teach gives me a hard time because I listen to Smartless, right? Uh-huh. And and that's really, I mean, those guys came up with the podcast in COVID as a reason to hang out with each other. Okay. And I've been blessed with really great relationships at all these different institutions. Uh-huh. Teach is one of them and probably the one that I really have hung on to because we're constantly trying to help out each other, right? right? Like we're constantly throwing ideas against each other. Um, and when I was at even pre-pandemic when I was at Loyola and I had a long commute coming out of New Orleans to go to the North Shore, like uh-huh. across this 24-mile bridge at, uh, across Lake Pontchartrain. And I would call him and be like, hey, this happened today. I really need to process this with you. I don't know what to do here. Like, who can I go talk to? You know, do you have any resources for this? Um, and so then when, you know, it, it kind of, then when the pandemic hit, we were like, okay, we got to do something here and we yeah. got to get people talking again. Cause that's what these conferences are about. Mm-hmm. I don't think it comes as a surprise that a lot of people don't go to the sessions. People go to the sessions, don't uh-huh. get me wrong, but the value that everybody comes back from is like just engaging with people, talking to each other. Um, and that wasn't happening. And then the other piece I'll say about our podcast, which I think is important and you mentioned it a little bit, we don't have the big names on it like we we have some really great people um but we really pride ourselves on lifting up both the school counseling community and the admissions director community and that's what it started with is like approaching this coming together for one topic and how does the school counseling community perceive it and how does the admissions counseling community right. see it and then how do they come together um and it's been just fun yeah i mean that, that at the end of the day like these interviews and even coming into a brand new position, not a brand new position, but a brand new position for me at Knox College, 
all the things that went around it. My summer was nuts. We still carved out two to three weeks to record these interviews in the afternoon. And it gave me, uh, even though I was in the weeds trying to fix things at Knox, like Mm -hmm. make plans and whatever, taking 45 minutes to talk to somebody in the industry does give you an appreciation for the greater good that we're trying to do, Mm -hmm. right? The great, the things we're really trying to hone in on and that we're all approaching these same issues together. Um, And then, you know, things that maybe nobody's thought of, even the interviewees haven't thought of, right? Like they're, they're trying to figure this stuff out and just chatting with us. So it's, it's a really cool industry. I like it. But again, like, yeah, we weren't trying to do it as like a leader, like to show ourselves Uh off. But um, at the same time, it's just, it's just fun. And there's good people in admissions, right? And going back to what we opened with about the leadership side of it. Um, we got to keep these good people in admissions. Yeah. TJ and I have done a couple presentations at some of the state and regional ACACs, uh, and we always end it with like, hey, just stick with it. Just stick with this. And if you feel like you don't want to stick with this, come talk to us. Come talk to anybody right. and have that conversation of what are the things that you're trying what are the things that are getting hung up on? Mm-hmm. And then your director, or your VP should figure out a way to get around that. Mm-hmm. If they can't get around that, that's maybe where you need to leave the industry. But that's what I feel to bring it back to where we started is that the leadership side of it really is listening to people, uh-huh. seeing what their obstacles are, seeing what they're dealing with in their daily, um, and then go from there and try to be attentive to that. But yeah. it's that's exhausting, Creighton. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Well, and going back, I mean, you called out a really interesting thing. Um, this this observation of yours that there are people who've been working outside higher ed who are now looking to have a more purpose driven day to day and are choosing higher ed for that. Right. I mean, it brings in a whole new mix of folks. Right. Um, you did this. Let, let me go over your, your resume okay. real yeah. quick here. So you are the VP of enrollment at Knox College. Um, you've led similar roles at Loyola University, St. Mary's University in Minnesota, George Williams, Lawrence University. Uh, but we met at Target X. Correct. Uh, you, you were there for a couple years. We had some overlap. We had some fun. Um, what was actually really interesting was I found out you were also a high school band director. Yeah. That made so much sense to me when I read that. I thought uh, I never. How is that? What's your perception of high school band directors, Graydon? I, <laughs> I mean, I I was a marching band kid. Oh, so like, love I, it. I think love there it. was like some kind of simpatico, that some unspoken um, connection connection yeah. there that just made sense to me all of a sudden. Right. But um, but so you did that. You right. you worked at Target X. I know you went somewhere after that. Uh, um, Kelms got edu, but now is Matera. They okay. power slate print. So, okay. yeah, big marketing communications firm. But then I got back to the And then the you went back camp. to higher ed. Yep. What yep. drove that decision for you? Being part of the community. Yeah. That's really what it was. And nothing against Target X, mm-hmm. Matera, any of those places. No. Um, it was two things. It was being part of a campus community, like we talked about mission already, but just like the things that come along with it. The things about being on a college campus that are just fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's been exhausting the last couple of weeks at the opening of Knox's term, but it's been fun to feel to see like all these traditions that they've been doing for a hundred plus years, right? Yeah. And to be part of it and to experience that at a residential campus. But then the other part is just variety. Like I was doing new sales at yeah. Target X, yeah. right? And it was great. It's the same thing every day. My life, my daily schedule as a VP of enrollment is whole wide variety of things right in the morning i might be um pumping up a staff member i might then go to like a marketing meeting Uh when we're talking about new stuff we're creating with a new brand 
And then I got to get super far into the weeds about federal work study, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I got to get figure out like, okay, the FISAP is due. How am I going to support my financial aid director? Because the FISAP's due on October 1st, whatever else. And so I really found that I like that variety. And when you work on a college campus, regardless of what area you're in, that's really what you get. Um, I also, because um, I don't have it on my LinkedIn profile, but I grew up on a farm. So I am I've I've kind of was bred with the cyclical nature of like the seasons. Does that uh-huh. make sense? Uh-huh. And admissions has seasons. It's true. And I love it, right? Yeah. I love everything about the seasons and I love that as soon as you're about ready to just bang your head against the wall cuz you're done with that season, then uh-huh. it does flip over yeah. and there's something new that comes along. Um on the vendor side I didn't I didn't experience that, right? It was just kind of the same thing all the time. What it, what it did give me, though, was an appreciation for what you all are doing on that side and how hard the work actually oh, okay. is. Because vendor is a dirty word <laughs> on our side, yeah. and I saw that. And, I mean, mainly because we're getting hit. and We get so many emails. Yeah. We get all the things, yeah. right? LinkedIn connections, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but they're trying to you know, meet their own goals. They're trying to um, primarily create new things. Uh-huh. And that's why Tej and I have always said, like, at conferences like this, especially at NACAC, we spend more time on the vendor floor than we do at the sessions. Mm-hmm. I think the last two conferences, um, I don't want to speak for Tej, but we joke around. <laughs> um, I will because he makes fun of me in other areas, uh-huh. I guess, so uh-huh. I can speak for him. Um, we haven't been to one session, yeah. but we go and we meet with different partners um, because the the creativity that's coming out of that space um, is driven by revenue goals yeah. from venture capitalists, whatever it is. So yeah. there's a sense of urgency there to make something new and to create something. This is a great example. Yeah. You're creating something new right now. Right. It's not revenue driven, right. but it's still like yeah. it's, it's, it's part of the industry. Yeah. And so um, then that's where the new ideas are happening. And then you see it like two years later, you're like, I saw that idea at that booth or was talking to that person. Then all of a sudden an admissions director two years later is presenting on that topic like they came up with that idea. (laughs) But they they kind of did, but then they partnered with the college to Uh make it work or whatever. That's how those ideas kind of flow through our industry, if that makes sense. Um, So TJ and I like being at the front end of that to figure out, okay, what new things are happening? And then who can we partner with to make that happen? It's been really fascinating to see him go onto the onto the vendor side a little uh-huh. bit as a consultant for yeah. his company, um, and so he's experiencing that firsthand uh-huh. and whatever else. But um, yeah, it's 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 a fascinating place to go and to be part of because that's why you do these things is to make sure that yeah. um, you have those new ideas. And for me, it all goes back then the variety of it. Uh-huh. I love. I'll take a vendor call. I can't uh-huh. take all of them, Creighton, yeah. but like <laughs> I'll take. A, I'll take. I try to take at least two or three a week. Uh-huh. Right to just like talk to somebody new, establish right. that connection, and it also comes back to the human side of it, right? And just say, okay, this person I just ran into when I was waiting to uh-huh. come up here to record. I ran into a contact that I had um, through another company, another partner we work with, um, and she ran into me at Starbucks, you know, right down in the uh-huh. basement of this building here, and we were just chatting. I was like, "How's it going? Like, how are you doing? How's your daily life?" Yeah. We're all humans. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And um, we're all trying to do this industry because I'm sure anybody that's on the sales side in higher ed can go out and make a lot more money and a much bigger commission doing a lot of other things outside of it. So even yeah. at that point, there's a passion for it. Yeah. So on the enrollment side or the admission side, we need to treat them like humans, too, if yeah. that makes sense. I mean, this is a great example at Knox. Like we have a, we, I was 
given a new brand. It was right at the end, uh-huh. but like they hadn't figured out who was going to print it. Right. And they hadn't figured out how we were going to deliver it and what other things were going to yeah. happen. And I knew based on my days at Matera that uh-huh. I had a contact in the managing partner there. Um, and I said, Scott, I need, I need your help, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> like we got to do all stuff yeah. in our quick, fast, in a hurry. Um, and we're pulling it off. And yeah. again, yeah, of course, I'm paying him money uh-huh. to do that. But um, we're ha- we have some crazy deadlines, and he's hitting them. And uh-huh. even to the fact, I can use a relevant example from yesterday. He just came off. One of our new pieces just came off. We have the Council College Fair uh-huh. tomorrow afternoon here at the conference. Um, he brought 150 with him in his bag oh on the plane and just found our admissions counselor so that she could have him for this Council College Fair. Like, wow. that's the type of thing where... It, it does become a partnership, and that's critical because they want you to succeed just as much as we want to succeed. Yeah. Um, and that's it's all about relationships, right? Yeah. It's all about just maintaining those relationships. Yeah. What can be hard as a new person is to jump in, uh-huh. right? And I think you bring back to admissions counseling, that can be really hard as well. If you're uh-huh. a new admissions counselor, um, we've been talking about that in this season of the, of the lunch cast. If you're a new admissions counselor trying to break in, right, uh-huh. to that industry, and you're seeing folks that maybe have been in it for 25 years and they know all the school counselors in your area. Uh-huh. You're like, how is me the newbie <laughs> going to get in and, and, uh, and, and break in and like get a meeting with that counselor at that really big high school that has right. all these great kids that have all the ability to pay in the world mm-hmm. um, or whatever else? How's that going to happen? Um, well, you need to cozy up to those people at the college fairs and say, like, hey, I'm new. Or, like, even if you have somebody right next to you, like, just say, hey, like, uh, this is my third week on the job. Uh-huh. What do you think? Where do I go? And that's how you learn, right? Uh-huh. And that's how we keep helping each other within the industry. So well, it's all about relationships. You're right. But it's so hard for some people because they f- forget your mantra, which is we're all humans. Right. I don't right. know if that's your mantra. That's that's I, the spin I put on it. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is, I think I see a lot of people come to even events like this. Right. Who were told you need to network. And, oh, man, that's hard. And it's hard when you're like, well, what's the value in this? Rela-? Like you're trying to immediately figure out who do you, where do you work? What do you do? And what, how, how could this help me? Like, what questions do I need to know about you? Or have I evaluated in five seconds that I don't think this is a, val- a, wor- a relationship worth having? Right. Because you're trying to evaluate someone's worth based on transaction. But if you just walk into the room as a human being and right. say, Nathan, I would met you five minutes ago, and I hope this doesn't come off weird, but that Navy polo pops. <laughs> That might be a little weird. It but might yeah. be a little weird. Uh, we'll have to do another episode on networking skills. <laughs> I, I think it's, but again, I think you can say that if you're being introduced by somebody that knows somebody. Yeah, it's really true. hard to come to these conferences by yourself, yeah. right? And yeah. it's really hard to go to anything, like especially at a national level. But I would encourage folks to, to go to those state conferences, do the things that are in, like mm-hmm. even if it's you're part of an association that's maybe not the Admissions Counseling Association, but anything else. Um, that's where you can start. You could possibly do that by yourself. But I think if you're an admissions leader listening to this, I, I carve out some budget to like send your folks to these things because that's where it, it pays off long term. But I completely understand. I was talking to admissions director yesterday and I said, well, how many people did you bring? And he's like, just me. I don't have any money. Like we don't have our budgets were cut and we don't have any. We can't bring anybody else. And it, that's just it's so disappointing. Um, I get it. I completely respect it and understand it because I have to manage a budget too. Mm-hmm. Um, but bring folks in, try to get them to understand the industry, 
Um, and then if they decide after year three or four or five that they don't want to be part of it anymore, at least they have a sense of what the industry is. Right. But um, it can be, it, it, this is what, again, we could go back to mission. Like this is part of the mission, right. yes, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And in that vein, I have one more question for you. Someone is getting their feet wet now and they're listening to your podcast, learning how to be a better admissions counselor, or they're attending a conference, learning how to be a better financial aid advisor. And they're getting the horizontal development to do the job better. And now they've got the itch. They want to make a career out of this. They want to grow. What vertical development can they do to become a better campus leader and to grow in their influence and responsibilities on a college campus? Um, educating themselves, I would say. If they really want, if they decided that this is what something that they're interested in and they're into it, continue to educate yourself on how the processes above you work. Figure out the systems on how the emails are all these emails are coming into your inbox, <laughs> right? Figure out like uh, why all of a sudden, like what email just went out that now all of a sudden I'm getting all these student responses. Like what is that? How's that working? Um, figure out your CRM. Mm. The ones that are successful, and you've seen this mm -hmm. in your history, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the ones that are successful in this industry have figured out a way how to manage their CRM, how to you know, build a query, get the information because data continues to be key. Mm -hmm. But it, the admissions person is, or the enrollment or financial aid person is being asked by a president, a cabinet, a board of trustees how to interpret that data. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to like analyze it and then also have that yeah. art side of it as well. And then the other piece I would say is learn financial aid. Like don't back away from it. I know especially with a generation coming in, like money is always scary. It's like I feel like it's the last taboo of our entire society. Mm -hmm. Um, but figure it out, figure out how to talk to a family about financial aid, figure out all the different options that are available to them. Um, don't just let your financial aid folks do it. I think you should have a financial aid counselor meet with an incoming student um, so they establish that relationship. But don't, um, but don't shy away from it. Don't feel like it's scary. Talk about a family's finances. And especially right now when we're trying to um, provide access to families, when families don't have money, regardless of where their EFC is, um, that can be a really, really tough conversation and really personal, and especially for first-generation families. Like, they might not know what their parents make, or they know it's very, very little, and they don't want to feel responsible putting one more burden on them. Um, but just figure out payment plans, figure out how much they're already spending to you know, like feed Johnny, <laughs> you know, and now you don't have to feed Johnny anymore because Johnny's going to be eating the cafeteria. Talk to him about budgeting, you know, figure out like it. And it always then rolls out as like all of a sudden the mission counselor goes, okay, now I can have a budget for my own self. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and why am I, I don't have any money, you know, and things like that. So don't be afraid of that because it can be a very overwhelming process. Because if you want to go on in this career, you have to be able to do both sides of that, right? You have to, most of us come up through the admission side. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, but as soon as you can start to figure out that financial piece, um, then that's where you definitely are taking your next step um, to becoming a leader in the industry. Um, 
and uh, learn as much as you can, especially, I mean, this year is nuts with the FAFSA delays and whatever else. Um, close you up to your financial aid director and say, I want to learn more. Right. Um, and go from there because it will really, really help you out long term into understanding the complete picture of how a student chooses a college. Thank you, Nathan. This has been a special featured leader interview with Nathan Ament of Knox College. I am your host, Creighton Dent, and I hope you'll join us again on the Campus Leader Podcast. <laughs>